Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to read a few verses of scripture from the epistle to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 through to verse 9, in order to lay a foundation uh, to what I plan to share with you this morning. The theme that I am going to be speaking about is, if Christ is risen, and he has truly indeed risen, why so many of us are still in prison? Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 through to verse 9. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Scripture declares that we have been authorized, empowered, and enabled to prosper and to walk in victory throughout the year, 365 days a year. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he willingly and lovingly he shed on the cross so many years ago, paid fully for our redemption and deliverance. The highest court in the universe has declared the believer justified, righteous, and delivered from the curse of the law. The curse of the law according to the scriptures, contained three things. Spiritual death, sickness and disease, and poverty and lack. If we have been authorized through the sacrifice of Jesus to walk in the blessing of Abraham, how come so many who believe continue to live defeated lives? That is a question that I have often asked of the Lord through the years that I have been in ministry. 
why so many of us continue to live and walk in the prisons of fear, doubt, stress, sickness and disease and poverty and lack, all of those things that we have been redeemed from. Don't you think that's a good question? Well, I'm going okay. to let the Bible answer this question today. And together we're going to look at scriptural answers for this vital question. If the prison doors have been opened through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, the question is, how come so many still in prison? Well, I'm going to give you three scriptural reasons. If you have a pen and a piece of paper, you may want to take notes. Or you may want to jot down the scriptures and study them for yourself during the week. It'll do you the world of good and it will help you understand the why. The first reason is found in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 and Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13. The first reason is a lack of spiritual knowledge or an unrenewed mind. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says that God's people are destroyed for one single reason, and that is for lack of knowledge. Please remember this is not intellectual or academic knowledge. He's talking about spiritual knowledge that comes from the word of God through the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 5.13 also says that God's people remain in captivity because they have no knowledge. Now, understanding what took place at the cross, as well as understanding our union with Christ in his death, and resurrection is the key to living a victorious life. When we accept by faith what took place on the cross releases us from the dominion of darkness and elevates us into a place of authority and blessing. And that is through faith. Now, you may have heard it preached more than once, but that does not mean we believe it or our mind is fully renewed with the truths and the realities that we have heard from the gospel. The way to freedom, true spiritual freedom, is through revelation knowledge. As Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I say it again. The way to spiritual freedom is through revelation knowledge. And revelation knowledge comes through the renewed mind. Now, in order to explain, let's look at the Old Testament example and learn a vital and an important principle from the deliverance of Israel from the dominion of Egypt and Pharaoh. The Israelites were delivered from the power of death, from the angel of death, through the application of the blood 
from the sacrificial lamb. Remember, they slew the lamb, a spotless lamb. They took the blood and applied it on the door posts and lentils of the homes. Now, through that act of faith, they were delivered from death. The Lord spoke to them through Moses, if you recall, and say to them that when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That is why it is called Passover. Now, even though the blood of the Lamb delivered them from death, they still had to make a move and get out of Egypt quickly. They did not remain in Egypt. And this is very important for us to understand that. By the same token, the scriptures declare that we were saved and delivered from the power of Satan through the blood of our sacrificial lamb, who is none other than Christ himself, our Savior. We must also make a move out of the dominion of darkness by the renewing of our minds. The way we get out of our spiritual Egypt or a worldly mindset is through the renewing of our minds. We must quickly make our exodus out of our worldly mindset, out of the world's way of thinking, the world's way of talking, and the world's way of behaving, so that we may not experience what the world experiences, but that we may experience true transformation. Now, Paul explains this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and he says the following, be not conformed to this world or adapt to the mannerisms, the values, or the principles of this world. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Now, believers who refuse to renew the minds with the truth of God's word and the realities of the gospel continue to remain in bondage to fear and continue to experience what the world experiences. We don't have to. But if we remain ignorant, we will participate and experience exactly what the world experiences. Even though we are saved through the blood, we cannot experience true freedom and liberty because we remain in the world through our unrenewed minds. Now, Revelation chapter 18, verse 4 says, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Now there's an angel spoke from heaven and said, come out of her, meaning come out of Babylon or the worldly system, the system that hates God and hates his ways. And he's talking to God's people because he says, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Now, Paul writes to the Corinthians 
and gives them the same instruction as Revelation chapter 18. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through to 18, we read the following. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. God is calling his people to come out from a system to come out from the worldly way of thinking and talking and behaving. And he says, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and you will be my sons and daughters and I will be a father to you. Now, these instructions are very clear. The way we depart from the world is by the renewing of our minds, changing the way we think. That is the true meaning of repentance. Now, you see, an unrenewed mind, a mind that has not been touched with the word of God, is an ignorant mind. And spiritual ignorance is the number one cause of believers being destroyed. Satan is not. Uh, he's already been defeated. What? Our greatest enemy is ignorance, and Satan fights to keep people in darkness. He does not want them to know the truth. It is also interesting to note that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, Scripture says the following. Look at this verse of Scripture with me. Psalms 105 and verse 37. Psalms 105 verse 37 says the following he brought them forth also with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among the tribes can you imagine that three and a half million people close to four million people and not one person was sick or feeble among them as they had eaten the land and hurried out of Egypt. That is incredible. Surely among that three and a half million people, there must have been some elderly people. But the word says there was not one feeble person among them. Not only that, but they came out with silver and with gold. They were not only redeemed from death, spiritual death, but they were also redeemed from poverty as well as sickness and disease. And that is the scriptural truth. Now, the Egyptians who oppressed them 
gave them silver and gold for all the years of unpaid wages which was due to them. In fact, the Bible says they stripped the Egyptians of the wealth. What a miraculous deliverance. Speak about transference of wealth. The Bible says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Proverbs 13, verse 22. When we were delivered and redeemed from spiritual death and we came into spiritual life, it's important to understand that we were also redeemed from sickness, from disease, from poverty, from lack, from fear, from guilt and shame. The blood of Christ was sufficient. The price was paid. And therefore, we need to renew our minds with the realities of the truths of the gospel. As we renew our minds with the realities of the word of God, our faith is activated. And through faith, we come out of the curse of poverty and lack into a place of abundance, as well as from sickness and disease into a place of health and healing. Now, this reminds me so much of my own personal experience in my own life and testimony. From the age of 16 until the age of 22 and a half or 23, when I was born again, I slaved away working for various people. In fact, for one whole year, I worked and labored like a slave for my uncle from seven o'clock in the morning, sometimes to 10 o'clock at night, not a day off. And for a whole year, he never paid me one single cent. He said uh, you needed to learn uh, the trade. So uh, that was your wages is your experience that you gained. Well, be it as it may, I slaved away. People abused and used me worked for many hours and never got what I was worth. But you know what? When I came to Christ and received Jesus as Lord over my life, all those years that I have worked and labored and been abused and stolen from was really given back to me. God restored to me all those years that the locusts have eaten. Amen. And in a very short time. That's why I can identify so much with what the scripture says that they came out and there was not one feeble person among them and they came out with silver and gold. That is the blessing of the Lord, folks. And we need to renew our minds with the realities of the gospel. And we align our thoughts and our ways with God's thoughts and God's ways. As we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the Lord promises to restore all the years which the locusts have eaten and destroyed. And that is a promise from God Almighty. If you will align your thoughts with God's thoughts, your ways with God's ways, if you will give him the first place in your life and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the Lord promises in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, 
I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, my great army which I send among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And that is the promise from Almighty God, your Heavenly Father. And our minds need to be renewed with that fact. Now, we've covered the first reason why believers still continue to live in a cycle of fear and defeat. Because of an unrenewed mind, because of spiritual ignorance. That is why it is so important. That one sermon and week a week is not enough for you. You need to study the word for yourself. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that is not ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. You need to do your own diligent study. You need to become a disciple of Christ and a lover of the word of God to the extent where your mind is renewed and you think the way God thinks, not the way the world thinks. The second reason is unbelief. And scripture says that the children of Israel could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. And that is written in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And Hebrews 4 verse 1 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. You see, the children of Israel heard the gospel like we've heard the gospel. But the Bible says they heard, but they did not mix faith with what they heard. And that is why they could not enter into the promised land. Now, there are two kinds of unbelief. The one is the result of spiritual ignorance. You cannot believe something you have not heard or you are not told. The other kind of unbelief is worse. The other kind of unbelief is the result of unwillingness to believe the gospel and that's called disobedience just like thomas the disciples came and said to him the lord is risen we have seen the lord and thomas said unless i see the nail prints in his hands and thrust my hand in his side i will not believe that is a deliberate choice of a will not to believe the good news of the gospel of Christ. So when we hear the word and we don't mix faith with it or we don't act on what we hear, then that word we hear cannot profit us and we cannot enter into the promises of God. The same with us. Unbelief keeps us out of what was promised to us. And this unbelief is expressed in various forms of behavior, various forms of attitude, speech, and conduct. 
and it is also expressed in willful disobedience. Bible faith is expressed through corresponding action. Faith always acts on the word of God. And if we do not mix faith with the gospel, it will not profit us. And just like the word our forefathers, which they heard, did not profit them. Now, to mix faith with the gospel means that you add action to the words of the gospel that you hear. When God's word declares that Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law, what you should do is act on it. How do you act on this word? How do you practice this word? Well, the first thing you do if you believe this declaration is to receive it by faith and say, thank you, Lord, for my redemption. That's the first step of acting on the word of God. Thank you that I am redeemed according to the word of God. I praise you, Lord, and I rejoice in my deliverance. The second thing you do is behave and act like you are the redeemed of the Lord. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you see it or not, it's irrelevant. Faith is believing what we do not see and what we do not feel. Amen. So you behave and act like you are the redeemed of the Lord. Don't say anything contrary to that. And remove every negative thought and word from your mouth. And don't say anything different than what God says about you. If God says you are redeemed, then you are redeemed. Declare that. Don't be moved by what you see or what you feel because that's Bible faith. But rather stand firm on the word of God and declare your redemption every single day. Psalms 107 verse 2 says the following, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So the word tells us here in Psalm that if we are the redeemed of the Lord, the first thing we should do is say so. I say I am redeemed. I say that I am healed. I say that I am delivered from fear. I say that I am delivered from lack and insufficiency. For the Lord is my provider. Amen. That's the second reason. The first is ignorance, unrenewed mind, lack of knowledge. The second, unbelief. And the third is unforgiveness. I have heard Brother Hagen say more than once during his ministry that if he ever found out that his faith was not working or producing any results the first place he would look would be the area of unforgiveness the bible says that faith cannot work without love faith works only by love and we read that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So if your faith is not at work, if your faith is not producing any results, then check your love walk. 
Are you walking in love? Are you walking in forgiveness? God's kind of love walks in forgiveness. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 11 and verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. I want you to listen to this next statement that I'm going to make. If Jesus had not forgiven those who crucified him, he would not have come out of the grave. Because he did forgive, God's power was released on his behalf and brought him out of the grave. If we do not extend true love and forgiveness to those who have hurt or wounded us or to those we perceive they've hurt or wounded us in any way, we will not be released from our wrongdoing even if the Lord has forgiven us. People who find it difficult to forgive others, I believe they have lost sight of their own shortcomings and their own failures. They have lost sight of God's mercy and God's forgiveness towards them. This is a very important uh, thing in, in our love walk. Let me share a little bit about my testimony here. For the first 10 years in this city of Cape Town, as a pastor, seemed to be filled with turmoil, conflict in the ministry, and strife within the church. The folks who came to our church did not really have my heart or the values of the Word of God. And for 10 years, we went through one cycle of conflict into another because I was surrounded by people who had their own agendas and to do their own things. It was during those years that I have learned to stand on God's Word, not compromise the vision, and without giving in to the demands or manipulations, even at the cost of many leaving the church. As a result, of course, I've learned to develop a strong back, as well as learning to make my forehead as hard as a flint. In those times, one of the things that I have learned was to forgive in order to survive in the ministry and continue to follow the Lord from one season into the next. As a family, both my wife and I, as well as my children, we have learned to forgive in those times and to love. And then the Lord said to me one day, many years ago, he said, the only reason you are still in ministry today and continue where I have planted you is because through all that you've gone through, 
you have learned to love, you have learned to forgive, and you have learned to move on. That's why many don't make it. They become bitter. They become hateful and spiteful and, 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 and unforgiving. And that, of course, opens the door to the destroyer. So I urge you today, if there is any trace of unforgiveness in your heart, please, at all costs, forgive. Does not matter how you feel. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is an act of our will to forgive those who have hurt us. The test of forgiveness is that you ask yourself some of these questions. Am I still angry with the person I have forgiven? Do I still carry anger within me? Am I still bitter? Do I harbor any resentment towards them? Do I wish them any harm in any way? Do I continue to speak about what they've done to me? You see, if you continually bring that hurt up and speak about it, that means you haven't really forgiven. You haven't moved on. You still carry that pain and that hurt. And that pain will never go away unless you release them and forgive them. What kind of emotions or what kind of thoughts come to mind when I think about these people? If I see them walking down the street, do I cross over to the other side and pretend I didn't see them? Or do I walk over to them and greet them? Now, these are hard questions and we need to answer them in order to test ourselves whether we have really forgiven. Not only that, but when you forgive, the Bible instructs us to do good to those who hate or despise us. Romans chapter 12, verse 20 says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Forgive not only in word, but also we need to forgive indeed. We need to add to our forgiveness acts of kindness to those who have hurt us. Do something good to those who have done wrong to you. And by doing good to them, you are conquering evil with good. Paul admonishes the believers in Corinth that when we approach the table of the Lord as believers in Christ or the table of remembrance, remember that Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. And Paul admonishes the believers in Corinth that when they approach the table of the Lord, they must do so with faith with love and the reverential fear of the Lord. If we fail to follow these instructions, Paul warns us of weakness, sickness, and even premature death. Let's read what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 through to 32, in closing, the message that I wanted to share with you today. Paul says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. 
For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, what cause? Not approaching the table of the Lord the way the Lord instructed us to participate in the table of remembrance. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, meaning they die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, lest we should not be condemned with the world. I truly believe that through this worldwide shaking that we are experiencing in our time, the body of Christ will be ushered into a whole new dimension of the reverential fear of the Lord, which ultimately will lead us into genuine repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. And if there is one thing that is terribly missing from our church today, from our gatherings, and I'm talking about the Western church, is the reverential fear of the Lord. The Bible says that by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. And it also says in Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. Hallelujah. Christ is risen, and together with him, we were risen with him in Christ, and we are seated together with him in heavenly places. It is time that our minds fall in line with the realities of the gospel, and we know these realities and these truths. We know them not just in our heads, but in our hearts, and we live by these realities. And folks, let me say this. Don't allow the atmosphere that dominates the world out there to dominate your own household. Don't let the world and its instruments of fear determine the atmosphere and the environment you live in. You create your own atmosphere, your own environment, as you delve into the Word of God and allow your heart and your mind to be fully renewed by the truths and the realities of the gospel. Amen. Amen. And that's my word to you this morning. I trust that you've been blessed, and I trust that you will take these scriptures that I've given you and spend time during the week renewing your mind and allowing the faith of God to rise up within you. Thank you so much. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.